Super nice to be here. My name's Becca. For a few of those that I haven't met yet, um, I'm excited that Anasio asked me to share. Thank you um, for sharing the pulpit with me. Um, I wanted to just like tag on to what Rita was saying, and um, and actually, me and my husband laughed when uh, Sharon was like, "Surprises are sometimes inconvenient," because this baby was totally a surprise, and it's such a good one, but it's like so inconvenient. We were like, "Yes, we can relate with that." Amen. But they're always good surprises. Um, I wanted to just encourage the ladies. I I'm just reminded too of the. Um, retreat and I'm excited, but while Rita was talking, um, I, my heart just always flutters when we talk about dates with Jesus, that, because <clears throat> part of my story of like why I chose to follow Jesus, I've shared this, some of you have probably already heard it, I've shared it over the years a bunch because it's so profound for my life, um, but when I was like a, a 19, I believe, I was really seeking God, I knew God was really drawing me, but I knew the requirements of Christianity. I knew I couldn't live up to them. I had grown up in the church and always failed, always sinned, all these things. And so I was really contemplating and, and trying to meet with God, but saying, ah, I just don't know if I can do it. And um, I was in Germany on a trip with Youth Storm at the time, like a group I had hooked up with that really loved the Lord. And I was sitting in a service at church and I wrote in my journal, and I was very young, okay, so very girly, but I wrote in my journal, I was really feeling in my heart, like, God, I really wish um, I had given up so much, including, you know, relationships and friendships in order to seek, hoping that I would find Jesus. So I was feeling very lonely, and I said, you know, Lord, I wish I had a ring on my finger just to show that my heart belonged to someone, because I feel so alone right now. I wrote that in my journal, then I set my journal down, closed it, stood up, and was trying to sing the songs. They were in German, but trying to, like, you know, whatever, hum along. Five minutes later, a German woman who didn't speak English came up to me with a translator, took off her gold wedding band, gave it to me, and said, God just told me to give this to you because he wants you to know that your heart belongs to him. And I was like, oh my God, right? So that was profound. because, and, and the thing that I walk away with from that that sustains me always is that there is no lover in your life like Jesus Christ. There is no one who knows what you need deep down other than Jesus. No wife, no husband, no parent, no child is going to fulfill you the way that Jesus Christ can. Um, and one, you don't know, this, the weekend could be the, a life changer for you. You know, Jesus can meet you every day, but he honors those who seek him and who give him that opportunity to show that he knows you and he knows what you need and he has the key to your heart. <laughs> so I'm talking a little, I'm talking today about Jesus, so this works out. <laughs> Great topic, right? Uh, um, I am so breathless because this baby is sitting on my lungs. So try and bear with me. Like, as it sounds like I'm running a marathon, but I'm really just standing here talking. Um, no, no, I, sitting doesn't really help unless I'm laying, but that would be awkward, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm talking today about something, um, about a parable. I'm going to read it to you. It's from Matthew 13, and it's called the Pearl of Great Price. Or there's two stories about it. It's the field and the, with a hidden treasure and the Pearl of Great Price. They're very short little stories that Jesus was telling. 
Jesus was telling lots of stories right now. He was talking to a crowd, and he was just, he's the story master. He was just coming up with story after story, trying to weave a picture of what the kingdom of God is like. He's telling stories about himself uh, and, and what it is to be part of his family, to be part of his people, to be part of the kingdom of God. Um, kingdom of God back then would sound a lot more normal. It's like everyone had a kingdom. It was like the Roman kingdom, you know, being part of the kingdom of God was like having, being, uh, having your citizenship somewhere specific. You know, it was like being, uh, you know, <clears throat> South American or American or whatever. It was like an identity. So he's trying to describe and paint a picture. This is what it looks like to belong to another world. Okay. So he's telling all these stories and I'm going to read these two to you. Matthew 13, 44 through 46. <clears throat> the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a, in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes, sells all that he has, and buys that field. Again, reiterating, painting it a little bit different. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on fine one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. So I'm going to just give a little history that I learned about a few, like about a month ago, um, read a little bit about it, heard, heard someone teaching on this. Um, but talking about historically during that time when Jesus is telling this story, this would be pretty normal, like, not normal like everyone's finding treasures and fields, but the way they handled money wasn't quite like us, where they were in, you know, they get a little gold, they're investing it and um, putting it in banks, where the bank's borrowing it and using it for spending things and then giving you a little bit more back, maybe. It wasn't like that. If you had money, it was more of like a treasure, legitimate, like a family heirloom, maybe, or <coughs> something like that. And it was common for them to hide it, to, to treasure it, to maybe... Dig, dig a hole in their, their field that they owned and plant it, you know, not plant it, but to hide it somewhere. It was also a time of war. There was lots of transient things going on. And so it wasn't unheard of or uncommon for someone to purchase a field that may have something hidden on it or buried on it because the people who were there died or sickness took them or war took them or they had to flee. So this is relatively understandable then, right? So this person goes, uh, looking at this field, perhaps a worker planting something, and finds a great treasure. Or this pearl merchant, this merchant who is again a worker, is looking for pearls and finds one, understands its great value and sells everything they own. I didn't know this either, but I guess like historically, I think it's, I believe it was Cleopatra had a pearl that they assess was now worth $5 billion, like in her day, from what the denarii would be or whatever. So pearls were very valuable, more valuable than we would now, because now I see pearls, you can get them at the fair, right? Like for, for $5, you can like crack a few clams and get a pearl. So it's not like that. <laughs> this pearl is, is, is a treasure that he sees. Um, so a few things that the Lord is just really soaking into my heart with this. Um, and has really been ministering to me. I told Dave this was my favorite, like, 
so far, the whole year, this is my favorite theme that God is speaking to me about the treasure in the field and being willing, and not just willing, but joyful to sell everything we have to buy the treasure. Like, what makes us that way, right? Like, and what is worth it? Um, this is my favorite concept because <clears throat> it's very easy for us to get, for me, and I guess I don't want to speak for all of us and project, but it's very easy for me to get drawn by a lot of different things in this world, by fear. For me, fear would be one of them, like, you know, fearful of the future, fearful of what might happen, fearful of people, turning people off to the gospel because of the hard truths of the gospel, or fearful of people rejecting me, or fearful, some of these fears, you know, fearful of persecution, whatever, some of those types of fears. But there's also, like, a temptation, an allurement to things. Like, it's just so nice to enjoy life, right? And just be comfortable. It would be so great to have such a beautiful house and just a pool and like, oh my gosh, I'd be so set up for life if I had these 15 things or um, a great career or just tons of money or just traveling all the time, whatever. There's so many things that are gifts from God. I'm not demeaning them in and of themselves, but that tempt or lure or are attractive in a way that can draw us away from the kingdom of God. But the way somehow Jesus is painting it here is like, um, no, everything that you're thinking that's on this list is worth just selling. And you would have joy in buying that field, right? So what gets us there? Like, where do we go? Yeah, Jesus, this field, this Jesus, this kingdom is so worth it. I cannot wait to get home and sell everything I have. I can't wait to sell all the precious things to me. I mean, when you're selling everything you have, there's precious things, right? There's very family heirlooms. There's things you really value. And yet, it's not with sorrow that we go and sell them all, but it's with joy. <clears throat> so the kingdom of God is so valuable that there is joy in selling all we possess. Everything we treasure, everything we hold dear, everything valuable to us, um, so if you can just think for a minute, what are the things that I, uh, are valuable to me? Um, <coughs> you know, our, maybe our convenience, our money, our image, how people perceive us. Um, for some of us, maybe our career. I follow this great guy named Hugh Ross, who's a, he's like an astrophysicist, I think, a scientist. Um, but he's a believer, you know, and he's gotten rejected in his field. He's also very and renowned for many people. I mean, but there are many people who reject him. He's really laid his career on the line. He said, the treasure I found is so great, it is worth it. You know, are we willing, is our career worth selling? Um, my comfort, my wealth, my pleasure, my freedom, my sexuality, the things I hold dear, even my family, are all of these things. And of course, Please understand, I'm not literally talking about selling our family. There may be times where we literally sell all the possessions we have. But this is an um, allegory. This is a story saying, are we still willing to lay everything dear to us on the altar before God? Everything for the sake of this man, Jesus Christ, for the sake of this kingdom. Yeah. <clears throat> so if I asked you a question, um, it's $500 expensive, what would you say? For what? Did someone say for what? It's all relative, right? If I said $500 for um, a shirt, T-shirt, what would you say? Crazy. Crazy expensive, right? If I said $500 for a Ferrari that's really great, perfect shape, brand new, what would you say? 
like, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm not a car like lover. I think a house was more tempting to me. Like, so it was like, here's a house for 500. But I was like, but what if it's a money pit and they're tricking me? So I just use the car because I think it's easier to check, right? But um, I feel like if we, if someone handed you something that's that treasure, that worthwhile, right? You know, you could turn around and sell for way more, or just the joy of having it. I feel like even if we were like, we have no money, you'd be like, I'll, I'll, I'll be back. Just, can you hold that? Can you hold it for like an hour or two, right? And we would like call everyone we know, we would do whatever. We would, we would do whatever we needed. Certainly we would quickly list everything on OfferUp or <laughs> whatever it is that we use, right? Like we would sell everything we have to get that because we would know that is a good deal. It's the same with Jesus. This is the truth. Um, it's not expensive to lay our lives down and to sell everything we have and to sacrifice all that we have because of the great treasure that we're receiving and finding in Christ. This is what brings, this is where we will find our joy, is where we understand the value of Christ in our lives. And without understanding the value, we will not sell everything we have or lay everything out on the altar with joy before God and gain that field. We won't. Um, They say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. This is a reality that I faced when I was, again, seeking God, where I said, I intend to be good and to not sin and to follow Christ and to lay everything down, but do I desire it? Because that's what it boils down to. Because in the end, I will do what I desire when left to myself, right? So in that moment is where I had to say, okay, I desire to desire Jesus, right? I don't always. Sometimes I just intend to, and I don't desire it because I have other desires. But this is the beauty of the cross, is the cross is where we are able to crucify and let our desires die, and that's only through the power of Christ, um, this, this past week, God really spoke to me. I was driving in the car and I was just thinking through, um, some of the things that I was thinking that God was maybe asking us to do down the road or just contemplating. Right. And I was saying, that doesn't look like what I was thinking. Um, you would, you maybe would want me to do, or some of the things you'd ask us to do, Lord, that's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around. And I put on some random song. I got a a phone, like a glass cover for my phone that's like secret, I guess, on accident. Like, so you can't see it if it's like tipped a little. So I was watching, I was like driving far to the doctor. So I had the GPS on and I can barely see anything because it has this like secret glass cover on it. So I was trying to put music on, but couldn't see anything. So I just was like, picked some random song. At least your screen is safe. Yeah, at least my screen is safe. And, uh... And the song that came out was called Well Done, and it was about the, the um, passage in Matthew 25 where Jesus, where God, the, the master, gives talents to everyone, right, and to his servants. And some of the servants take the talents, no matter how many they had, if they had three, one had three, one had five, one had ten, something like this, and they invested them, and they were faithful with them. And when the master came back, he said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy. That verse has always scared me. It's like my greatest fear in life would be to get to heaven and not hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. And for so many years, 
And that's my greatest desire is to hear it, right? And for so many years, I thought, well, I better do some awesome stuff for God because I want to hear that, right? So trying to do the big stuff, trying to be dramatic or whatever it may be. And, that, and that's okay. It's part of the journey of, of processing, uh, of pursuing God. But then over the years, God's showing me, you know, read Titus. Titus is all about, it says six times in three chapters, good works, be zealous for good works, be ready for good works, be full of good works, be fit for good works. But the whole book is about how we treat each other and how we treat our husbands, how we treat our wives, how we treat our kids, how we treat the body of Christ, how we, how we serve, how we love, how we treat younger women, older women, younger men, older men, right? So simple feeling, so non-dramatic, so non-epic. And when I read that, I was like, oh, this is part of the good work that God has called me to. Like, if this is all I, I, I was capable of accomplishing in this life and I died in a week, God would say to me, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your master's joy. And so it's been a journey of me saying, wow, like, the good works that God has in store for us, it's here. And then it's also unique. There's different things. God may call you to go to, to school for something. God may call you to be a plumber for something. God may call you to be a pastor, a missionary. He may call you to lay your life down physically or smuggle Bibles and do the dramatic stuff. Or he may ask you to pump gas and pray for each person that comes through. It's different for all of us. But then there's the basics that are in the word too. <clears throat> And when I heard that song the other day, God clearly, like the Holy Spirit, clearly spoke to me and said, Becca, you want to hear that? You want to hear when you get to heaven, good, well done, good and faithful servant? That means you just do what I ask you to do, right? It doesn't mean that you come up with a list of things that are awesome that you can do for God. It means that you obey the voice of God, right? It means that you eat the word and you read it and you live it and you choose to apply it. It means that you just do the day-to-day -day of what God's asking. You obey God, whatever it may be, big, little, small, left, right, whatever. This is where we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So I'm meditating on this, <clears throat> and it's, it's, um, it's helping me to understand even more the joy that comes from obedience. Because when, um, when God says, well done, my good and faithful servant, you know, I always remembered what Jesus said to people when he's like, he said to the Pharisees, oh, they said, hey, good teacher, blah, blah, blah. And he said, oh, you call me good, right? I thought no one was good but God. Of course, he was trying to say to them, I am God, but um, we hear that a lot. Like, there is no one good but God. But here, Jesus says to us, or God says to us when we come in, well done, good and faithful servant. So I was looking up, what does that good mean? Is the same good as God? And the root word for that is talking about a goodness that is intrinsic to God, right? So we can only please God. We can only be, be doing well done. We can only be faithful to God when there is a spirit of God living in us, giving us power to please him, right? So it's this crazy cycle, and I'm left going, okay, well, what can I do? How can I do this? Like, fill me, do something, God, so that I can do this. Like, give me the power I need to love you, you know? Like, fill me with your love so that I can love you back. Um, there's only so much passion for Christ that can sustain us. We need the spirit of God living in us. There's only so much religiosity in our mind of, well, my parents told me this is the right way. I don't want to go to hell, so I better do this. I better attend church, or I better not lie, or I better tithe. That's not going to sustain you. That's not going to cause you to obey Jesus because you only obey the people you really love. Yeah. 
You know, God said, you're no longer a slave to me. You're a son or a daughter, right? That's different. So our motivation is different. It's not just a, we don't want to go to hell we, we, or we want to please somebody or we want to do X, Y, Z because that's what we were told. There has to be a love for Christ that consumes us that says, Nothing is worth it as much as this. There is nothing that I own that is as worth it as much as the field right there that has a treasure hidden in it, as much as that one pearl willing to shed it all. <clears throat> There's a, a man named John Don who has a, wrote poetry like back a long time ago. But he says, take me to you, Jesus, speaking to the Lord, take me to you, imprison me, for I accept you, enthrall me, never shall be free nor ever chased, except you ravish me. That is so impactful to me, that we can never be free of all of those other things that tempt us, or that pull us, or draw us, or that we may desire, unless we are ravished with Jesus. Unless we are enthralled with Jesus, it's not worth it. It's not worth it to sacrifice things or to be suffering unless it's for love. So how do we, um, Paul says in Romans 8.18, he says, I'll read it. He says it better than me. He says, for I consider, or some other translation says, for I reckon uh, that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So that word reckon, it means, um, like if you look it up, it means he really thought about this. He's thought about this. He's really taken it into account. He's measured. He sat and he said, okay, you know, like Solomon did, wrote a whole book about it. Is it worth it to suffer right now? Is it worth it to sacrifice things I want? Is it worth it to sacrifice this pleasure or this joy or this friendship or this convenience or this wealth or this whatever it may be? Because this feels good and I like it and it's happy or whatever it may be. I appreciate the prestige of man or I appreciate being who I want to be and not having anyone tell me who I'm going to be. Whatever it is, he sat and he thought, is it worth it? And he came from a lot of prestige, you know. He talks about in other places, um, Philippians, how he was like the top notch of everything. Anything you want to be, he was like the top of it. He was the kingpin in his society, in his sphere. Very respected, very progressive, very honored, very learned. Um, that may not mean much to you, but think about what does mean something to you. You know, what is it that is important to you to be a success in something, um, to be free to do what you want? What, what is it that is important to you to be, um, loved? So you're a people pleaser, you know, what is it? And he said, I've really considered this, really counted. I really reckoned and I decided that this, letting go of this, counting all of the things that I've worked so hard to gain, letting it go, laying it at the feet of Jesus, it's nothing, nothing compared with the glory, the riches, the joy, the pleasure that is to come. 
in the next age. Um, then there's like stories of failure. We have um, David, who was supposed to be at war. He didn't go. Who knows? Feeling lazy, feeling tired, whatever. He wasn't where he was meant to be. King David in the Old Testament, I should clarify. Um, so he's just chilling, and he sees Bathsheba bathing on a roof in his kingdom, and he's attracted to her, normal probably, but instead of going, okay, I, looking away, he kept looking and decided, I'm, I'm looking at this, I want this, and there he took her and had an affair there and then killed her husband to hide it because she was pregnant. Um, we look at Achan in um, Joshua 7. They, God had commanded them to destroy um, all of the like loot of the city that they had taken over. But Achan took a bunch of stuff and hid it under his tent. He disobeyed God. And when Joshua confronted him, like God revealed it. And Joshua said, did you do this? And Achan's like, yeah, I did. And when he says why he did it, he says, well, I saw this robe and it was beautiful and it was a certain kind of robe. And he said, I saw, I believe, silver um, and it weighed this much. It was this much silver, or counted. I think it was counted. Um, and I saw this bar of gold, and it was, it was weighed this much. He had details, and J Joshua 7 lists it. So what does that mean? It means he really gazed at it. He really looked at it. He reckoned. He counted, right? He, he focused on it. He, he really decided this is worth it because he was looking at it so much. And to me, this is the most practical way for me to, to um, apply this principle and to walk in this willingness to buy the field and this willingness to sell everything I own, to lay everything at the altar of Jesus and realize the reality that it's worth it, is what am I reckoning? Like, what am I acknowledging? What am I looking at? Yeah. It's very practical. Am I spending every night whatever it may be, uh, you know, relaxing, drinking wine, and gossiping, because that's going to feel so good, right? Or, like, I don't know, whatever the temptation may be. I saw some mom on the mom's group post, and I just couldn't believe this. I just laughed, and I, like, texted a bunch of my friends, like, how is this possible? There was a mom who, who posted, like, I just, when I put my daughter to bed at night, I just love smoking hookah. Like, do any other moms want to come smoke it with me? And I was like, is this for real? Like, how are they posting this on Facebook, right? Um, and so many moms were like, yes, yes, I would love to do this, right? So, but like this is something that they're, they're meditating in, right? They're like doing this all the time and it brings them joy. Like they like it if they find relaxation in it, whatever it may be that brings them pleasure about it. Um, but they're soaking in it. So in the middle of that soaking, gazing, spending so much time and energy on doing this, it's going to be very hard for them to be like, well, why should I do anything else? No, I've counted this as like worth it for me because I'm soaking in it so much. They don't see the reality, they just would see the loss, right? They don't see the reality of the treasure that may come from laying something out before the Lord, right? Um, coming to church on Sunday even. I mean, the word's clear about coming together as the body and being the body of Christ is more than just attending one service on Sunday. Um, 
But we come to reckon, right? We come to be reminded. We come to encourage each other. Anytime we get together, this is what it would be. We're reminding each other of the wealth of Christ. We're reminding each other, like, here's who Christ is. Here's why it's worth it. Here's what he did for me this week. What about you? You're in need. I'm going to support you because we are the body. Like, we hold each other up. We gaze our eyes together. Um, in Titus or Timothy, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, I can't remember, but it says... Be ready for good works, right? And spur each other on, encourage each other towards good works, right? So coming here, reckoning, what has Christ done for us? Why is it worth it? Why is it worth it to lay down all the things that we want or desire for the cost, for the great prize of the pearl, of the field, of the treasure, for Christ? We're reckoning together. Um, I think... So the two kind of basic things that the Lord has spoken to me the past couple weeks is to take the time to consider the value of the pearl, the value of the treasure. Um, For me, that meant sitting, writing, God, what have you done for me? Who are you, God? Um, Just remembering who my God is. Reading the word, like reading through even Isaiah, remembering who does God say he is. Um, you know, it wasn't for me a time where I was like, I'm supposed to be doing X, Y, Z. No, it's a time where I'm going, who is my God? Why are you worth it? I'm reckoning, I'm meditating on God and saying, who are you? What have you done for me? I remind myself of the history that I have with him, the history that he has with humanity. A lot of which we see in the word, we can soak in from other people, ask someone, what has God done for you? Why do you follow him? right? Because everyone has a story of why it was worth it to them to lay it all down. Some people lose their families. Some people lose their inheritance. Some people lose a lot. Why is it worth it to you? Tell me your story. Be encouraged. Soak. Why is it worth it to let everything go for the joy of buying the field? Reckon with it. Decide, I'm going to meditate on this and see who is God. Like a lot of even me and Dave were singing a song on the way here. Um, I hear I have a nice timbre to my voice, so <laughs> I'm joking. Dave just doesn't have a lot of nice things to say about my voice, so he tells me I have a really nice timbre, um, and I tease him about it. <laughs> I, I don't know. You can ask Dave after. <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> but it was a very simple song, and it's, it's just like, who is God? It's just meditating on who God is. He's the promise keeper. He's the um, way maker. He's the light giver. You know, he's, there's just simple things that we declare. Who is God and what has he done for me? I remind myself where I was when Christ pulled me up. You know that song? I love it. It's like he pulled me up. He set me on solid ground. He turned my life around. Remind yourself, why is this field worth it? There is a treasure that is so great that it's worth me with joy, right? The guy who, the merchant who found this field didn't go and be like, uh, Oh, what should I do? What should I do? He was like sorrowfully purging his capital, which so many people would feel, right? Like the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, what can I do to follow you? I I already follow all the Ten Commandments. And Jesus saw in his heart and said, ah, I see the idol on you. It's, It's your wealth. So Jesus said, sell everything you have. Give all the capital to the poor and come follow me. And the guy's like, and he says he went away sad because he knew he couldn't do it at that moment. I mean, we can pray that 
later he turned, but he was sad because he knew that that was worth more to him than the treasure in the field. I don't want to be that person ever. I want to buy the field. I want to be willing always to sell everything I have and to buy the pearl of great price. So how can I do that? One, I'm reckoning, I'm considering, I'm remembering, I'm saying with my mouth, well, God is good. Well, God has a good plan. Well, God always provides for his children. Well, I remember one time this. I shared this at prayer for us, and this is so tiny. This is so minuscule and like silly, really. But it was just a sweet little tiny reminder where my daughter's sandals broke, and it was her only pair, and I was kind of like, ah, bummer. Like, she needs new sandals now. <clears throat> and I, that week, I didn't really want to spend the money on new sandals. So I just, I, I just literally, I don't even know why I wrote it, but I wrote it in my, I was journaling. I wrote, oh, Ani needs new sandals, Lord. Just FYI. <laughs> the next day, <laughs> yes. Uh, the next day, I got a text from my from my cousin that I have close like close by. Said, hey, does Ani need sandals? And I was like, why? Yes, she does. She was like, well, I just have an extra pair that my daughter grew out of. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, like such a teeny tiny little thing, right? But God's reminding us, hey, you have a need, I see it, I meet it, right? You have a desire in your heart, I see it, I meet it. This is who I am. He's reminding us of the value. He doesn't have to, because if all Jesus ever did was die on the cross to cover our sin so that we can be connected with our Savior God, that's more than every other religion together offers us. Every religion offers us a pathway to get to God that we have to work hard to receive. Our religion, which isn't a religion, our God says, I'm forging a pathway down. I want you with me so bad. You can't make it. You're human. I'm forging a pathway down to you. Here's my son. I will sacrifice him to make it possible for you to be with me. If that's all he ever did and never spoke to us again and never did anything for us, but let us just make our way on this earth till we get there, that still would have been more than any other religion offers us. But yet, no, God is so good to us that in every little way, he meets us and he speaks to us and he provides for us and he gives us what we need to be good and faithful servants, to do, to do well done, for him to say to us, well done. It's him who sustains us. It's him who fills us. It's him who gives us that power. The second thing... Um, I, I wanted Dave to share this because he has more, uh, God's been speaking to him more about it, but I'm, I'm just going to share it because he wasn't ready. But he was talking to me this week a little bit about Luke 7 with the woman um, with the alabaster bottle who came to Jesus. And I mean, I've loved that passage for so long because I felt that way when I came to Jesus. You know, I was like, I love you this much because I really understood that God was so merciful to me because for so long I said, you know, leave me alone. I don't want you. And yet he didn't give up on me, which he could have, right? Like if you say to somebody enough, stop calling me, like stop texting me, stop talking to me. I hate you. No, I don't want anything you have to offer. Get away from me. Like normal humans are like, okay, bye. But no, he, he like strove with me. He didn't give up on me years. And he was like still faithful and still drawing me and speaking to me. And then instantly met me the minute I was like, maybe. It was like, I'm right. He's all right there. So understanding that, right? Understanding that I had for so long rejected that pearl of great price, rejected the gift of God. 
felt so in love with the Lord, so understood finally. It's love that inspires us to serve God. It's not religion. It's not a set of rules. Um, the woman comes to into this like place where there's all these religious leaders that are very intimidating, very um, high profile, and certainly despise her um, and reject her. So she's unvalued there and rejected and looked down upon and shamed. And she has this bottle of perfume that is like her life savings. It's it's all the capital that you've worked so hard to build in your life, like perhaps your reputation or your friendships or your money or, um, you know, a business or whatever it may be. She had it all there right here. And she took it into Jesus. And we don't know why even. They don't even tell us like what Jesus did for her necessarily. And she brought it in. She was crying and she poured all her capital, everything that was valuable to her. She poured it onto Jesus' feet which were filthy from walking in the the dusty streets where animals went to the bathroom. And she was crying and weeping and cleaned his feet with her hair. What would inspire her to do that? Not religion. Not a set of rules. Not good intentions. Because good intentions would have done other things, like washed his feet maybe first or whatever. It was love. It was a deep enthrallment with Jesus because she knew what he did for her. It was love that compelled her to obey the command of Christ to sell all she had and to buy the field, to pour out all the capital that she had, and it was worth it to her, totally worth it to her. It's a beautiful story. Um, So for me, I've talked a little bit before about how our life is like a continual turning back to the Lord which is repentance, right? Like repentance is like constantly turning back to him because the world and our sin like is constantly trying to pull us away. So there's this constant sense of repentance where what I repent of lately in this topic isn't we should repent of all sin, but it's not so much like, oh, I'm sorry I sinned, I lied, or I'm sorry I healed to the kids, or I'm sorry I whatever, haven't been going to church, or I'm sorry that I... Um, have been sinning in this way or that. It's just, I'm sorry I'm not in love with you, Lord. Help me to love you. Help me to love you more. Because when we love the Lord, we will have joy at letting go of all the other things. When we have a deep love and desire for him because we know what he did for us, we will have joy in letting go of all the other things that are most important to us. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt sometimes, but there will be joy in it at the root. We have to love the Lord to be able to be willing to buy the field. We have to have a deep love and understanding of who he is and the sacrifice he's made for us, for us to buy the pearl of great price. Um, So it's really that simple. And, And just application, just asking God, Lord, and I do this with my kids all the time because it's like all day long, it's like, she did this, he did this, and I'm like, well, you're, did you, you're selfish. You're being selfish. I I try not to say you are selfish, but you're being selfish, right? You want it. She wants it. You're both being selfish, right? Like what's in your heart? This isn't a justice thing right now. It's what's in your heart. Like you're being selfish or why did you do that? Because you wanted something. It almost always boils down to like the heart that wants something, right? And by the end of the day, it's like, you can only say so much to your kids. So at the end of the day, we're like, let's just pray right now and ask the Lord to help us love him. 
So we pray almost every night. I'm like, God, help us to know how much you love us. Help us to love you more, God. Help us to love you more. Um, And even Ani says, God, help me to love you. And it's like the most precious prayer I feel like we can pray is, Lord, help us to love you. Help us, help it to be worth it. Show me, show me who you are so I can love you more, God. Show me who you are so that this is worth it. Show me who you are so that I find joy in obeying your voice. Show me who you are, God. Help me to love you more. It's a constant turning back to the love of God. Um, So just in, that's it. In closing, I'm just going to pray for us. Um, and just and this is my prayer right now. Like, Lord, help me to see the value, the pearl of great price, the treasure in the field that I would be willing to sell everything I have, to lay it all down in order to buy that field. And Anasio has been talking a, a bit about this. He preached on Noah and the risk of obeying God, the, like the, the risk that he went through and that we need to take risks for God. Um, and it, that so encouraged me. Like, obedience is what brings joy. Um, in Revelation, Jesus talks to one of the churches and he says, if you continue with my good works, you will rule the nations, right? There is a sense of, of us just living in Christ, just sitting with Jesus. Like Jesus is doing a good work. God is doing a good work. He talks about it other places too where he says he is faithful in Philippians to complete what he started in you. There's a promise. God is faithful to continue and and finish the good work that he started in you, in this church, in this region, in this country, in this world. Like, you know, he never loses. We were just, that was another song we were singing. God never is defeated. God never loses. If he has an agenda, he accomplishes it. That is just always. Like God never loses. He always accomplishes what he sets out to do. So, it talks about if we walk in that, right? If we are walking in the works of God, if we are resting in that, there's a place for us. We will see, we will have joy. We will be full of the spirit of God. It will be worth it to us to let go of unforgiveness, to let go of unbelief, to let go of our addictions, our temptations, our struggles, our desires. It will be worth it because we will have the pearl of great price. We will be part of his story, ruling the nations, accomplishing what he set out to do. So Father, I just pray today, God, for myself, for all of us, Lord, that you would encourage us to keep at it. Father, that you would encourage us to see the field, to see the treasure, to see the pearl of great price and be willing to lay our life out before you for it, God, because it's you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help us to love you more, God, that you would show us who you are. I pray this week that you would answer prayers, God, that people would be brave and bold to lay out their hearts before you, what they're desiring, God, and they would see you answer their prayer, God. I pray that you would just draw our hearts. Lord, it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Help us to see that this week, Father. Meet us this week, God.